This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we've got Julio Managas on. Julio is a house hacker and investor in Austin, Texas. He's actually got a really interesting story, and we're going to talk about some stuff that we have not talked about on the Austin Real Estate Podcast Investing Podcast before, um, because we have not had many guests that do this, although we talk to people all the time that do exactly this, and Julio is going to tell you why it works. But Julio, real quick. Thank you for being on so much today. Can you tell us who you are and what you do in Austin, Texas? Yeah, Jordan. First of all, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm currently, um, I am a, a part-time health healthcare worker and a part-time realtor, yes. and then also an investor. Um, looking to become a full-time realtor here pretty soon as things have actually gone pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as who I am, um, I'm actually an immigrant. Um, I came to this country when I was 14 years old, um, not knowing any English, which is a lot of surprise for, for a lot of people because sometimes they tell me that I don't have an accent, but it comes out when I get nervous, so I may come out on this. But anyways, uh, long story short, um, I kind of followed the, the usual path, you know, went to high school, uh, then decided to go to college, um, put myself in a lot of debt, uh, uh, which I still uh, kind of am, um, but then discover kind of the FIRE movement, the FIVE movement, financial independence movement through Mr. Money Mustache and, mm-hmm. and the, five, the Choose F5 podcast and was trying to find a way of how to become financially independent. But I tend to be a little bit impatient and thought that putting all my money into Vanguard would, which would just take too long. Yeah. And so and then I found real estate. Um, And long story short, really what kind of accelerated my growth or it's continuing to accelerate my growth was relationships. And the main relationship is Diego Corzo, which you know who he is and uh, he's here local. Um, And yeah, but that's kind of my background. I don't know if you want me to expand more on that, but. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, we, we know Diego. Diego's been on this podcast here. Awesome guy. Um, Big fan of house hacking, financial independence, investing. Um, Everybody likes Diego. Um, so real quick, I I guess, tell us more about, you just started as a realtor rather recently and, and you're doing a lot of deals already. So tell everybody how you got started and how things have gone for you there. I think that's really interesting because it's it's a big thing to start as a realtor. It, it's all on you. Right, right. And, and you know, this is my first, um, you know, venture into entrepreneurship, you know, I've, I've never done anything like this. So it's been challenging, especially holding another job. Uh, but things have, you know, thankfully things have been pretty successful. I started in April and I've, I've closed on two properties and then I have, uh, uh, five others on their contract, uh, that will hopefully be closing next year. Um, and then I'm closing on another one here pretty soon. So, so I can't complain. I mean, things have, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm addicted to it in a way now. I mean, I really want to 
that to grow this and become uh, full time and, and hopefully help as many people as I can in the, in the Austin area. Uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think you'll be full time before you even imagine it. So, you know, with uh, the Nino team there in Diego, you know, yeah. they're, they're not going to let you not succeed. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. Exactly. Um, so we also talked a little bit about before we started this podcast, what you've done as an investor here. And I know you've done a couple different things, but before we talk about specifically what you're doing as an investor, uh, why did you choose to invest in Austin? You know, I know obviously you're not from from Austin, but what led you here and why are you staying here to invest? Well, so when I moved to the U.S., uh, I moved with my dad and we moved to North Dallas, McKinney area. But um, as things change in our lives, uh, my mom also decided to come and my sister and that that's a whole nother story. But they actually uh, decided to come to Austin. And so I have connections here. Yeah, I have connections here in Austin. So, um, you know, after going to college and taking jobs in different cities, I decided to kind of plant and set my roots here in Austin because my family's here. And so that's the reason why I chose Austin. Um, and I have lived in Austin on and off for the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years. So I kind of seen the, the explosion that we've seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess my background in Austin goes back pretty, pretty far back, but, um, and it, I've always considered it home, but now I'm, I'm full time. I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think you probably feel the same way. Every time I drive towards downtown, I'm like, man, that's changed (laughs) on a daily basis. You're driving towards downtown and, and something looks new or something's popped up out of the, the, the horizon there, the Google building looks particularly interesting. Well, not the, not the one that's already built, but the sale looking building they're building right now looks particularly interesting as you drive up. I'm really excited to see what the skyline looks like in the next year or two. Oh, it's Um, insane. I remember the tallest building was the frost building back in the day, which tells you a lot. So yeah. 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 Um, so Julio, real quick, what attracted you to real estate investing initially? How did you get interested in real estate investing? You said you talked about the FI or the FIRE movement, um, but why real estate? You know, because a lot of people in the FI movement are just doing ETFs and that's great. You know, doing anything is better than nothing. I truly believe that, but I like real estate too. Yeah. Um, and honestly, and nothing against, you know, ETFs and Vanguard, because I still have a little bit of money in that, but for me, one, it was the the velocity of of creating wealth uh, through real estate. To me, it was it seemed or it is it seemed like it was a faster path. Uh, and then two, it was something that I could actually touch, which I know a lot of people say this, but it is true. Something that I can actually touch and control to a certain extent, to where I can, as you know, um, and we'll get into the house act that I that I uh, successfully just completed. But, you know, if you if you find an, an asset that it's needs a lot of work, well, you're in control of what you can add to that asset to make it more valuable. So I thought those two things, just the the, the pace that I, what I can build my wealth and increase my wealth. And then the fact that I have a lot of control over that asset, as opposed to a fund that I really don't have any control over. 
Sure. Uh, what were my two, the biggest factors why I decided to put all my money into real estate. Sure. Yeah. And I love that. I think, you know, those are, that's really the power of real estate is control. Control is awesome. If you're operating it well, and if you have a good plan, control is absolutely where it at. On the same hand, if you don't operate well and you don't have a good plan, you don't run a property, right? It can really turn out poorly, but it's very easy to run it well. You just have to keep property in good shape, keep good people in the property. But the power of real estate is you get so much leverage. You talked about house hacking. 96.5% of the money on a FHA house hack comes from the lender. You're only bringing 3.5%. That's a huge lever there. That's a lot of leverage. But you also mentioned one of my favorite things, forcing equity. So you're, you're forcing the property to improve. You know, you're, you're fixing it up. You're making it nicer with residential real estate. It's so easy. Of course, commercial real estate, you can force appreciation too, but with residential real estate, you just make it nicer. If the property next door is nicer and it's sold for more, your property's instantly worth that same amount. Mm -hmm. But commercial real estate, you have to force appreciation by improving the property, increasing the rents, then the property is worth more. The same thing happens with residential real estate. You make the property nicer, you get the rents up. It's worth more to you from a value perspective, and it's worth more to you from a rental perspective too. And it's easier to manage when it's in better shape because things aren't breaking as much. You've got better tenants who aren't doing as much damage to the property. It's just all around. It's, in my opinion, typically a good idea to keep your properties in good shape all the problems beyond that are easier when you do that. Exactly. And and you mentioned the tenants. I mean, it's such a tenant screening and then, you know, trying to prevent the vacancies as much as you can. So I've, I've been lucky with that, with my tenants so far. So, and I think that's a part that a lot of people don't talk about that, how important tenant screening is, and then mm-hmm. trying to reduce that turnover in your property is huge, right? I mean, because vacancies is you know, one of the biggest killers in, in, in real estate. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I love what you talked about there where the management is so important. People always say, well, what vacancy rate should I plug into this calculator? Like, well, how active and how on top of management are you going to be? You can have an effective vacancy rate of almost zero if right. you manage them well. Let's say, you know, a tenant's moving out 60 days in advance. You get in there and fix anything that's wrong with it. You rent it out. The day after they move out, somebody else moves in. You don't really have any vacancy that way. But if you're not managing it well and you wait until that tenant moves out to go in and even look at the place and figure out what you need to fix up, then you have to find somebody to do that work. Might take a few weeks to do that. Maybe three weeks in, it's ready to go. Then you have to start advertising it. You just turned what could be a day or two of vacancy into two months of vacancy. And exactly like you said, when your margins aren't just amazing, right. that vacancy is going to kill you. If two months of vacancy is 16% vacancy. Yeah, that's huge. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's huge. Awesome. Um, so real quick, you know, we talked about how you ended up in Austin, why you're interested in real estate investing over, let's say, ETFs or Vanguard, which there's nothing wrong with ETFs or Vanguard, but real estate certainly can be more profitable. What 
type of real estate investing have you been focusing on in Austin? We kind of talked about your house hack. Let's talk about that a little more. Mm-hmm. How you got into that? What happened there? Yeah. So uh, the whole goal when I moved back, um, you know, I, I went straight into finding my first home, but I also wanted to be smart about it as a first time home buyer and make the most out of it. So I wanted a house hack, but I'm a little bit older. I'm in my thirties. I didn't necessarily want to house hack by the room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wanted my own space and, you know, with my girlfriend. So I thought that the duplex or a quadplex, triplex, whatever would be the best strategy. So thankfully I was able to find that, uh, a, a fixer upper, but successfully we got it on the contract. We got it in a great, great location. Um, great learning experience, uh, just fixing it up, um, you know, going from completely dated, a lot of delayed uh, maintenance. I mean, you know, it needed everything. And I'm, and I'm up until basically last month, I was still fixing it. Oh, wow. And what we talked about earlier was that, you know, I moved in it and I remember telling my girlfriend, I was like, oh yeah, we'll get this done in, in two weeks. Well, I mean, it took me almost a whole year to to complete it. Just, well, my side and part of the other side. But what I took from it, obviously the power of house hacking, I only got into the property. It was worth, I bought it for three thirty, and I only got into the property for $12,000, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I mean, that's just huge leverage. Yep. Obviously, that doesn't take into account how much money I put into it. But just the fact that I could get in it for that little was amazing to me. Um, anyways, huge learning experience. Just, I've learned a ton. I I decided to do the whole DIY thing (laughs) and I came to a rude awakening, um, that I don't have all the time in the world and I, and my time is more valuable. So I I'd rather spend it doing something else like finding deals or becoming a realtor, which I eventually did. Mm -hmm. Um, but I learned, you know, how much everything costs, how much, you know, timelines, you know, I learned about plumbing, electric. So overall, I, I honestly, anybody that has not gone through this, they should, especially if you're looking to invest into real estate. It's probably the, the best strategy to start out with. Um, not only are you going in for very little money, but then you're learning a ton on how to fix things, how to properly schedule repairs, Um yeah, I mean, it, it's just a great, great strategy, in my opinion, to get started. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join GoBundance.com slash Emerge, GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole life millionaire. Yeah, I love that. I love the duplex house hacking strategy. Obviously love just the house hacking strategy in general, but I've been doing the duplex house hacking strategy since 2016 uh, under contract on my fourth duplex to house hack. Well, one was a single family with an ADU, but it it essentially functioned as a duplex. Um, Really love the strategy. Like you said, you get into it for almost nothing, which is awesome. Huge leverage. And you save so much money while you live there. So I think that anybody can do it. I loved how you you talked about, hey, you know, I'm in my 30s. I didn't necessarily want to rent by the rooms. 
I think you kind of get hooked once you start doing it. So I started in my late twenties. I'm 33 now. I started, I was 27 when I bought my first. So as you can tell, I, I haven't done one every year. It's been a little more than every, every year, but um, first duplex, I had roommates in every room. Oh, okay. I was single at the time. So it was a lot easier. No pets when I bought the place. Um, now I live in a duplex with my girlfriend. We have three bedroom, one bath, lots of pets. We have four pets in the duplex. So I think, you know, as you go on, you can, you can get more comfortable and you can make it easier for you, but there's nothing wrong with continuing to house hack. However, works for you. You know, I love that you said, Hey, this didn't work for me. So I just did this instead. You didn't say, Oh, well, I can't house hack because I'm, I'm in my thirties and I don't want roommates. You said, I'm going to find a duplex, live in one half, rent the other. I did a video on this earlier, kind of unrelated, but everybody's buying duplexes in Austin right now. They're just buying half of it. So they're buying half of an AB duplex unit. And they're saying, Oh, I, I can't house hack. You know, I could never live in a rental property. Well, you're living in essentially the same thing. You're just paying $700,000 for it. Which is insane. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. There's so many ways you can house hack. And I love that, you know, you said, Hey, in my thirties, I'm going to do this because my goals are more important than being comfortable or looking cool to my friends right now. Exactly. And immediately I was able to cut down, you know, where I would have been paying rent. I don't know, average here in Austin, 15, 1600, maybe even more depending on the area. Um, you know, I was, I was not living rent free, which I know a lot of people do that, but the, the reason why is because I went in with so little money, but still I was able to cut down my rent. I think I only for rent, I was paying at that time about 900 bucks. Yeah. A great, great location in Austin. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I got out of it, I was paying only like 400 bucks, which is insane to think about. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the power of, of house hacking right there. And, and like you just, and I love I love what you said. And I had a I have a post about this on my social media is that you don't have to be young and single to house hack, which a lot of people think that. Mm-hmm. And you just said it right there. It's you can be any age um, and you can still do it through a duplex or a triplex or a quadplex. Uh, and still accomplishes this goal. So, yeah. Yeah. And I like to talk to people about there's kind of a profitability scale. So how uncomfortable are you willing to get in the beginning? I was willing to get pretty uncomfortable. I had a room rented out. The porch was rented out to an Airbnb guest. And I was just living full bore as much as I can do. But then you get on this far end. I know a person in Zilker Uh who house hacks, there and they have an ADU they rent out that covers a lot of their mortgage. That's house hacking still. And that's yeah. in a brand new house in Zilker. Absolutely. Yeah. That's you awesome. Can, you can do that. If you're if you're not ready to have roommates, you can do what what Julio's done. You can get a duplex. Julio and I both do. You can live in half, you can rent the other half. Or you can buy a single family with an ADU in Clarksville or Zilker or one of those places, rent the ADU out on Airbnb, make a ton of money. And live almost for free in a luxury place in a luxury house. Oh yeah, in the hottest city in the country. Basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. So Julio, you know you've done a few deals. You've you, we talked a little bit about this before we started, but what's some advice you would give to people when they're just giving started of of things to avoid? 
things to avoid. Um, oh man, get at least, for, let's say you're, you have a value add property, mm-hmm. get at least three. And I know that this advises everywhere, but I, I would only get one quote or two quotes and then just want them to get in there and fix it, but get at least three to four, or even five, Yeah. which I know it's tedious. I know it's time consuming, but trust me, it helps because then that way you can compare, uh, you get a feel for if they're, if they're actually like lying to you and charging, overcharging you, or if they're charging way too low and they don't know what they're doing, which has happened to me. Um, so I would say get at least three to five quotes for, for many contractors. And then another piece of advice, if you have never done DIY, know that it's going to take you twice as long because I had never done <laughs> DIY in my life, but I wanted to, you know, get my feet wet, learn how to do it. Um, and I learned a ton, but it would take me twice, if not three times as much to complete a simple task, just because I made so many mistakes in the beginning. So those were probably the two that stand out the most for me and my house hacking experience and DIY experience. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, I never did any of the work myself. I just was too busy with what I was doing, but I've absolutely had bad experiences with contractors and crazy quotes from contractors. But I think I like what you said on the first one, the first contractor I had in to do work on my house, I actually knew the guy I'd worked with him in a a restoration. So a contracting business in the past had him in work, got started, never saw the guy who was the general contractor. He never showed up. And I said, something feels odd. So I would text him and say, Hey, what's going on? I would call him. He wouldn't answer. He would answer texts. I found out the guy was in jail and his girlfriend was answering the texts. So this guy had gotten pinched for something. I can't remember what it was. And the people that showed up to do the work had no idea what they were doing. She had just found somebody she knew that said they could do it. So this, the contractor wasn't supervising anything. The, the workers were just there working. And when the work was all done, like you said, things typically take twice as long. It was supposed to take about a month. I think it took three. I didn't have a toilet for a couple months. I didn't have a shower. Um, but when it was all done, I walked on the tile floor. Instantly, the tile floor cracked because they didn't put the right backer down. So, yeah, like Julio said, get several quotes. I've had this happen a lot recently where you get one quote and it's just outrageous. Right. And you get three more and two of them are a little lower. One of them's a lot lower. Um, yeah. But you want to check and make sure these people can actually do the work they say they can do. This this happened has happened more to me in, in Austin than in other areas, but I'll talk to a painter and he'll say, oh, I can do everything. I'm yeah. like, I, I thought you just painted. He said, no, no, no. I can actually do fences and I can do bathrooms and I can do all this other stuff. And you realize that he has no idea how to do any of this stuff. He just knows somebody that might know a little bit about it and they're going to come in together and try to do it and try to make the money. So yep. make sure you get references, make sure you get a couple bids. Yeah. Working with contractors can be a headache or it can be really easy. Right. Yeah. That that's a, uh, referrals are huge now, now that I've made more yeah. connections in Austin, uh, you know, uh, other buddies are investors like, Hey, you know, what do you think about this job? And so I would say 
if you're just starting out, I would say that what we just talked about, just get multiple quotes. If not, then as you get more into this game, into, into this investing, then obviously reach out to other investors to get referrals. But yeah, I mean, let, a lot of lessons learned for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's not the worst. I think people might be hearing this and say, man, I don't really want to deal with that. Contact somebody like Julio or I and say, hey, how do I not deal with these same issues? But at the same time, all this stuff is totally worth it. You know, the little pain I've dealt with not having a toilet for a couple months made me over $100,000 in the oh, end. Absolutely, yeah. That's like totally the, the duplex right now is worth uh, a duplex right next to me, which is not fixed up whatsoever. It's selling for four twenty five, and I know that they accepted an offer cash for that amount. Wow. So, and I bought mine for three thirty, and I've obviously put money into it. So, I mean, again, just the power of real estate. So, and what you just mentioned, yeah, I mean, if anybody has any questions, like you have gone through a lot of the mistakes, I have gone through a lot of the mistakes. I finally, after ten months, twelve months, I finally have found good contractors. Mm-hmm. So, don't hesitate to reach out, and I can definitely connect you with trustworthy contractors for sure. Yeah, yeah. If you need contractors. And you've got a good realtor like Julio or I that work with investment properties and do this themselves. That's your number one stop to find a contractor is, hey, Mr. Realtor, where do I find XYZ? We're probably going to know. So we do this all the time. Um, Julio, what's one thing you tell newer investors who are looking to get started that might be struggling and might be having trouble really pulling the trigger? You know, so I'm actually going through this with my cousin. Um, He, you know, he has the money, um, but I think, and we all, I mean, I got stuck in it, uh, the analysis paralysis, like, Mm -hmm. you know, what it's, you know, what if this happens? I don't know what that means. Um, You know, again, what if this happens? What if, what if? I mean, I know it sounds simpler or easier said than done, but it's just, just jump in. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously, I would say for me, I make sure that I had, for example, I had two to three months of reserves set aside just in case. I would say that's the biggest advice, but honestly, you're not going to learn by reading books, listening to bigger pockets, listening to us on this podcast. Um, Yes, you learn the basics, but you're not going to learn until you get into it. The little small details Brandon Turner is not going to be able to tell you that on bigger pockets. Jordan's not going to be able to tell you all the small little details on these podcasts. You have to jump in. Um, obviously have a safety net, maybe two to three months of, of whatever the mortgage is to kind of cover your butt a little bit. But um, th- I mean, th- that's honestly my biggest advice is just jump in at one, at, you know, at some point you've read every book in, in, in the game. Right. So, yeah. So. And I, I would argue that, you know, if you read a couple books, maybe the house hacking book and a, one or two others, and you've listened to a few podcasts and you've been to a few meetups, you're probably in a good spot to jump in. I find it interesting that buying a house is so exciting. You know, if, if you're going to buy your first house, Julio, you're not saying, oh, I wonder what might happen if the furnace breaks or the water heater breaks, you know, that what, what could happen here? It doesn't seem so nerve wracking. Like, well, if that happens, I'll, I'll call XYZ and get it fixed. Right. You know, I don't hear that same stuff from people who are going to buy their first house. They're so excited to have their first ha- house and have their own space. 
But when it, the, it gets shifted to investing it, right. or house hacking is investing, um, people start to think of all the worst case scenarios that could happen. It, there's not that bad of anything that can happen. Worst case scenario, you buy a bad deal and you have to hold on to it for a little while longer while rents go up. Worst case scenario, you buy something that needs a little more work than you thought. You get the work done. You know, it, the worst case scenarios are not that bad with real estate. Time is definitely your friend mm-hmm. in real estate. And if you've got time, which just don't have to sell anything anytime soon. And when we're getting these FHA mortgages, 30 year terms with essentially nothing down, you oh, yeah. can hold on to it forever and your payment's not going to change. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, my, my interest rate, which is insane still to think about is 2.75. Wow. I mean, that, that's free money, right? <laughs> Basically. I closed one last year with a guy, and I think we hit it at the exact right time, 2.25% interest rate. I'm like, dude, you just got a, a free loan. Um, yeah. I have a rate locked on one I'm closing right now, 2.5%. Um, just crazy. Uh, they're not, again, like for people listening today, uh, it's September 29th, 2021. Rates are slightly above that. Last time I saw, again, neither Julio or I are lenders. Reach out to your lender. It's going to vary depending on you and your credit score and all this stuff. But rates are super low still. Um, it's essentially free money. Uh, I mean, you're paying you're paying it back, but it is not that much interest. Um, Julio, before we started, we talked a little bit about the other real estate investing you're doing here in Austin. I don't want to gloss over that because I think it's really cool. And I want to hit on that. We don't talk to a ton of people that are doing that. I know a lot of people that are doing that. You obviously know one of them. Um, Can we talk a little bit about that too? Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So, and and obviously, you saw this, especially uh, in this market. So, what we started seeing, uh, I would say, fall of 2020, maybe even earlier than that, mm-hmm. is that you could essentially, which is again, we're talking about leverage. You could essentially put a new build on their contract for five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, maybe at the most, I don't know, five thousand uh, dollars, which was that was not the case now, maybe so, but it was only $500 or a thousand dollars. You basically put this new build on their contract intent to purchase at a certain, at a set price. And obviously we, we started riding this wave of, of crazy appreciation and increase in price. Mm -hmm. And that price you locked it in, let's say 285, which I did with a home. I put it on the contract for 285 with only a thousand dollars down. Wow. By the time it, it was finished building, the house was worth that one in particular was worth uh, was selling that same exact floor plan in the same exact community was selling for I think it was like 320 or 310, and we put it on the contract for 285. So immediately, as soon as we put tenants, we ended up putting tenants in that property. Um, you know, there was $120,000, $130,000 of equity, Mm -hmm. which is insane to think about. So 
I kind of started seeing a pattern and, and I was not a realtor at this time. I was just investing and, and kind of, you know, in contact with Diego and stuff. And I, after that happened, I started driving for new construction is what I called it in a way. Yeah. I would get off work or on the weekends and I would drive all around Austin to find a, uh, a new community that was just starting because the, that was the other thing you to take advantage of this, you had to find it on the first phase. So usually for people that don't know new construction, they have multiple phases. Mm-hmm. And if you could get in, in the first phase, maybe even the second phase, then you can take advantage of that price increase. Um, anyway, so I would try to find new communities, drive around until I found one. And then we found another one and we finally put, so we put another new build on the contract for 300,000, which I'm in it right now. Yeah. Um, and, um, it was, it's selling right now for about, well, they're, they're sold out, but it was the last few ones were selling for, uh, 425 or 430. So again, I know they're 120 and $130,000 of, of equity built up in there. So, so insane. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. So, so I would say that was kind of the, the strategy and I, and I'm not the only one. I mean, uh, I know Andres and Diego, uh, were obviously taking advantage of this, but yeah, I mean, you just saw uh, an opening, so to speak, in the market to to take advantage of, and you know, we took it. So, yeah, yeah, I love it. I mean, you essentially took advantage of the time frame that it takes to build, too. So, you know, a new build property you put it under contract, it might be six, eight, nine, twelve months before it's done. So if you put it under contract at today's prices, especially like you said, in this market in Austin, when you close on it six months later, probably going to be worth a lot more. Um, It's a really cool strategy Um, and really an awesome strategy too. If you're just looking to buy a house, you don't need to move into it for six or nine months, you know, find the house you want. They're going to build for you, Right. put it under contract at today's prices, probably going to be happy when it's done. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And obviously, as you know, the, the market is changing, so it's not guaranteed because I don't want to guarantee the same results. Oh yeah. Um, but, but I mean, we, you and I both know that Austin, it's pretty stable and I think it'll be stable for the near future. Um, so like you said, even if you're not investing it, I mean, take advantage of new construction because by the time you move into it, like you said, it's, you know, you're going to have a little bit of equity already built into the house. So, yeah. Sure. You know, if I think if, if you can find new construction in an area you want to be in, right. there's some great advantages to new construction. And I know in Austin, they're building new construction homes in a lot of nice areas. So if you can find new construction in an area you want to be in, you get all the warranties, you get the, obviously the new construction, it's in good shape. It's the house you want and the house you want to be in. A lot of times you catch them early. You can tailor it a little bit to what you're looking for. I know I had a client this year under contract on a new construction home. They ran out of brick. So instead of putting brick on the home, which they, they wanted brick, they were able to get stone. And they they like stone quite a bit too. I think the stone looked a lot better personally. But that was at no charge because they just ran out of brick. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of benefits to new construction. Obviously, the I would say the biggest downside with new construction is you just can't add value to it. Right. But like like uh, Julio saying here, if 
you buy new construction in the right area and you catch it at the right time, you've added a lot of value to it just by buying it at the right time. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, anybody interested in it, I mean, we keep a close eye on all the new communities popping up. So if you have any questions, I mean, definitely reach out uh, to try to catch it early. Sure. Yeah. That's the name of the game is just catching them. Um, And I know I've been getting some emails that new and new and new construction communities are starting to open back up to investors too. So people that are looking for new construction as an investor in the past, let's say six months, we're having a lot of trouble finding a community that would sell to investors. But I I got an email the other day that had a highlighted open to investors. So If you're an investor and you have to have new construction, because there are a lot of people out there that want that, that's starting to happen again too. Yes, absolutely. So Julio, real quick, while we're on this subject, what's your best advice for somebody looking to buy a new construction home in Austin? Um, I think, uh, you know, definitely look at, you know, obviously the area is very important. I would, you know, what, like what we just talked about, if, if, if this is your first home, maybe look into buying it in the first phase so that you can take advantage of that appreciation gain. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely get with a realtor like ourselves to, to kind of walk you through the process, uh, which can get a little bit uh, tricky with, with the different, you know, steps in the, in the process. Um, but I would say, you know, Take advantage of it. I mean, it, it's a it's a great great strategy. It's a great option to have uh, where you don't. There's really no uh, maintenance really with the property because of the warranty, uh, uh, the one two ten warranties. Uh, but I would say really get with a realtor that can help you kind of go through the process. Um, and if you can get into that first phase, I mean, it's 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 a really really good starting point for yourself. So. I don't know if that answers your question, but those are awesome insights. Um, So I think we would be remiss not to mention that uh, a cool thing about new construction is you might think, oh, well, they're going to build too much and it's going to, it's going to oversupply the market. They haven't built anything for the last 10 years. I want to say they've built 50 to 60% of the, what's needed typically over the last 10 years, because 2008 hurt builders so badly that there's just not enough people out there building. It's expensive to build right now. It's hard to get permits right now. It's hard to get labor right now. So if you can buy new construction and be in a good spot to take advantage of that, you're probably not going to run into a situation where they're just building more houses than can be purchased. There's such a demand and there's still not enough supply. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Don't be scared when you see all these new communities popping up around Austin. There's a tremendous need for them. It's not that they're building more than we need. They're not even building half of what we do need. Right, right. So Julio, I know you're around uh, Andres and and Diego, and I know they talk about, you know, all these books and masterminds. What's your favorite business or mindset book? So I, I like this question because this is one of the questions that, that Jay sent me. Um, I would say recently one of the best books that I've read was The Big Leap uh, by Gary Hendricks. Uh, Gay, I'm sorry, Gay Hendricks. Um, and I, I honestly have never read a book 
uh, like this before. And it's basically, uh, it talks about um, basically over uh, setting a ceiling for yourself, right? Or, or um, always finding a negative and a positive situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not uh, coming down on yourself so hard. So uh, you have to read the book, but, it, but basically it's, it's a huge mindset shift that, I, that I'm continuing to work on. Um, on always trying to, um, you know, anything, anything, anytime that something positive is happening, you just try to, oh, it's not a big deal. Or you just immediately want to move on to the next, the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really living in the present and, and enjoying that moment. And then as far as a business book uh, that I recently read, I'm, I'm looking at them right now. Um, right now I'm reading Profit First. Oh, love that uh, book. Yeah, I'm about halfway through. I, I know there, in a way, a, a little bit of a mindset shift. I mean, you never think about paying yourself first, mm-hmm. or at least I haven't. Uh, and so that's, I would say those two. But in this year, um, uh, yeah, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks was definitely a mindset shift. Absolutely. And I, I love, uh, I'll need to read The Big Leap. I've not read that. But The Prophet First, probably one of the most impactful books I've read in the last year for the reason that as a self-employed person, it's easy just to have this income coming in and it doesn't come in evenly. You don't always get the same paycheck. You know, when I ran a business that had pretty consistent income, it was really easy to just save X amount. I could set it up automated on my bank and it would pull X amount out of X account and put it in Y account. But as a realtor working on commission, it is not that even and consistent. So you need to have a system together to pay yourself first. And I think no matter what, you know, read profit first, have a system together to pay yourself first. So you can take that money and then invest it and grow it. When you're not, you're going to be just amazed at how much money you can save. If you say, Hey, I'm going to put away 10% or 20% or whatever the number is, whatever works for you right now, automate that. If you can, if not, have a system together to save it over a year's period of time. You're going to have so much money sitting aside and you're going to say, I didn't even feel that. That didn't make any difference in my lifestyle. What was happening to this money before? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And even if you're not self-employed, the, the person that recommended it to me, I mean, this could apply to anybody. Even your regular W-2 employee can definitely employ all these strategies. And I'm not through the whole book, but so far, I mean, it just it makes total sense just paying yourself first and putting this money aside. Um, it's it'll pay off in the end for sure. Absolutely, yeah. You, you don't have anything to invest if you don't save right. So exactly, figure out your systems first. I think the first thing is you got to figure out how to get some sort of income, get a job, start a business, whatever that is. Then you have to figure out how to manage that income. Then you can figure out how to invest it, but. That doesn't happen, the investing part, until you figure out this first stuff. And I think so often that's ignored or overlooked. You know, on all these podcasts, people are talking about all their awesome investing wins, but they forget to mention that to get there, they had to figure out how to save money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's why I love Profit First. All right, Julio, uh, what's the best way for people to get hold of you? Right. I'm very, very active on uh, um, Instagram. So it's at Julio underscore Monagas Realtor. It's really the best way to reach me. Um, yeah, I would say on, on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah, I think 
most people you can find on Instagram anymore. So we'll put that in the show notes. Um, again, everybody can always follow me at Jordan underscore Moorhead on Instagram. And Julio, last question here. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin? Oh, wow. I forgot about this question. <laughs> um, <laughs> man, that's a, that's a tough one because there's so many good ones. So um, many. But I would say an old OG, all-time all favorite. Uh, you know, for the most part, I like to eat healthy. So, and I like the atmosphere. It's uh, Fresas in uh, South First. Oh yeah. I would say it's a, it's a good option to have. I'm trying to think of another one, not so uh, healthy, I guess. Um, man, unhealthy things. I would say Gordo's, uh, which is on, uh, what is this? North Lamar or South Lamar? I I think there's several locations of Gordo's too, actually. Yeah. But two, maybe two. And I think, but I think the original was on South Lamar, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Really good food, but like you said, it's it's probably on the little more of the unhealthy side. Yeah, so so go good, there for right? a cheat day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I would say those two if anybody wants to check them out. So. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on here today, Julio. Can't wait to have you back in the future and hear about all of your success. Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it. All right. We will talk soon.